0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski. And today's episode is a little different. Instead of bringing someone on to the podcast and me interviewing them, this is actually a replay of another podcast that I was a guest on. And I was on the Key Nutrition podcast where Brad Jensen and Michelle Rains interviewed me. And that interview, they asked some really great questions. And I just felt like it was such a good episode that I wanted to make sure that I shared it on my podcast. So this is an episode where I get interviewed and I talk about macro counting and who should do it and who shouldn't and what it looked like in my life and how it really has changed the game for me and for so many of the women that I have worked with. We get into some of my favorite stuff in this episode, yes, macro counting, but also mindset and and the process of weight loss and what's important to focus on during that time. So I really think that you are going to love this episode. Brad and Michelle do a great job of kind of pulling things out of me that I don't know that I've shared in one cohesive thought um, before this episode. So I hope that you enjoy this episode where I was on the Key Nutrition Podcast hosted by Brad and Michelle.
1: All right, well, Amber. Thanks you for coming on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm excited. We have a few. So we have a uh, we have coaches that work for us. There's about nine of them, and like the three of them listen to you. Nice. Yeah. Um. Well, I just wanted to get into kind of like. Your story, how you you know where you came up with the name bicep after babies. Um, I saw your podcast just turned one, which is pretty cool because I've heard a lot about your podcast. So the fact you only been doing it in one year is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a fun couple of years. Honestly, um, I kind of got into the fitness industry, the business side of the fitness industry by accident. Um, I've loved fitness for years and years and years. I grew up; my mom was a fitness instructor, mm-hmm. so she but back in the 80s and 90s taught old school aerobics and step aerobics and i used to go to her classes and um i remember when i was 14 years old my mom took me to the weight room so she taught at the YMCA and so she took me into the weight room and as a 14 year old girl she like showed me the dumbbells and showed me the machines and it was for me growing up it was very normal for women to be in the gym, but not only in the gym, in like fitness classes, but in the weight room. And my mom was an excellent example of that. And so I grew up with just this assumption that, like, yeah, of course, women lift weights. Like, that's just uh. what we do. Um, as I got older and moved into college and my my twenties, I realized that that's not what a lot of women do. Um, but I had this great this great example to me of of yeah, like lifting weights is just it's just normal. That's just part of being healthy. And so anyway, I so I had an early start in the fitness industry just from my experience with my mom. Um, I went to school and became a nurse and worked in um, a neurosurgical intensive care unit after school and um, loved that aspect of it. I love the science. I love the body. I love the anatomy and um, started having kids. And at that point, my husband um, had a really, really busy schedule and we decided that it was probably best for me to be able to stay home with the kids since he was... Um, just not home very much with his schedule. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I've done the nursing thing and kind of twiddling my thumbs thinking I need something else. And that was when it was like, well, my mom used to teach fitness classes growing up. I could totally do that. Um, and so that's where I kind of dove in as I started teaching fitness classes. And as I was doing that, I taught fitness classes for eight years. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I work out a lot. I work at, like, I teach like six to eight classes a, a week. And I just felt like my body always looked the same. Like, nothing ever changed. It was like day in and day out, just doing the same thing. And I really knew for me, the change that needed to happen was in my nutrition. And this is about the time that I found county macros. It kind of started going from the bodybuilding world a little bit more into the general population. And I had this, I was like, okay, this, this makes logical sense. The my like science background, this fits with like the nutrition knowledge that I have from school. And I'm gonna try it out. And um, I set a goal 2016, January 2016 is my New Year's resolution to get abs for the first time. <laughs> and I started tracking macros. And it was crazy how fast my body changed when I was fueling it in accordance with my goals. And um, I got my first set of, like, I got abs for the first time. And it was about that time that I, um, decided I was going to start an Instagram account just because, like, you know, that's what you do, right? Like when you have this <laughs> fitness journey, that's what you do. Um, and I remember sitting in the, in the front of my house in my car because as moms, we spend a lot of time in the car. And I was thinking, okay, what's my name going to be? Like what, like what name am I going to have for my Instagram account? And it, It just hit me like it was just like this the most creative I've ever been in my entire life. Um, (laughs) is when the name came to me of Biceps After Babies, and the whole point of that, that name and the whole point of my platform was to show moms I'm a mom of four. Um, to show mom your best days aren't behind you. I think so often women think, Oh, when I have babies, that it like ruins my body and I'll never be as fit as I was in my 20s, and I really had. Wanted to show women that no, like you can have biceps after babies, you can have abs after babies, you can have the best body of your life after babies, you can be healthy after babies, um, and that even and that almost more when we have these babies and these kids who are looking up to us that we need to be those examples like my mom was to me.
1: I love that. So you started in two thousand. That wasn't that long ago. And twenty sixteen. Yeah, you built a good following.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's not like yeah, you just exactly.
1: got in super early. Like people that get in like 2012, I'm like, dang, why didn't I think of that?
0: <laughs> Seriously. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so then I I have listened to podcasts for years and years and years. And it's kind of always been something on my heart of like, someday I'm going to start a podcast. Like that's going to happen. Um, and last year I was like, it, like it's let's stop being like someday. Like no more someday. It's going to happen. So a year ago, a year ago in October, um, I started Biceps After Babies Radio. And that's been such a fun Fun experience, and it. I, I love that medium of being able to share mm-hmm. not only tips and tricks and like fitness hacks, but we go into the mindset and we go into how you're feeling about your change in your body. And um, I think I deal mostly with, are all with women, mostly with moms, um, and what we feel and think about our body is such a, a thing that most women are struggling and dealing with, and that's something that I really address in my podcast.
1: Yeah, your podcast is really good. I listened to a few of the episodes and um, actually listened to one with trainer Lindsay before we had Lindsay on the yeah, show. Yeah. But then I just recently listened to a couple of yours and you broke down a very uh, macros 101 in such an eloquent way. I'm like, oh, why couldn't I think to say it that way? <laughs> what you did I, is you compared it to, you started, you talked about the leverage point I kind of felt like in that podcast was balance. Mm-hmm. And like everyone, want's balance. You don't want yeah. to you know eat eat uh, gluttonously or diet for your whole life. So like yes. where is that?
0: But the problem is that we say that we're like I want balance with my food. I want to eat with moderation. And then it's like but what does that look like? Most people don't default to moderation. We default to extremes. And so that's where so many women find themselves in. It's like either these extremes, either I, like you said, I'm dieting, I'm trying to lose weight, or I just don't even care. And everyone wants to find moderation, but it's, it's a hard thing to find for a lot of women. And so when we can introduce macro counting and we can introduce, okay, let, let's give you a chance to feel what moderation feels like. You're not cutting out any foods. You're able to like fit the foods you love into your diet. Let's let you feel what moderation feels like with the with the plan that in the long run, I don't want you tracking macros for the rest of your life. Like I want you to be able to transition away from that. But for a while, it can be a really good tool for you just to like, I, I liken it to getting on a bike, right? When you get on a bike and you feel what like the balance of fe- like riding a bike feels like, then you can like not have to have the training wheels. And that's what I feel like counting macros is, is that it gives you that feeling. Oh, this is what moderation feels like. This is what it feels like to like eat some fun foods and a lot of whole foods, um, and then you can transition away from that and be able to keep that moderation in your diet.
1: I love it. I couldn't agree more. That's that's what we found.
2: Yeah, that's super awesome. That's the, the episode that I started listening to was when you kind of broke down intuitive eating and macros.
0: Oh yes, yeah,
2: yeah. That's, and you that's said, a popular you, episode. <laughs> you said you got a little bit of of pushback right from some people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think this is intuitive eating is a big movement. I feel like in the fitness industry these days, and it's gained a lot of traction recently. Um, and I agree with a lot of the tenants with intuitive eating. Um, but I do think that for a lot of people, there is value in tracking for a period of time in, you know, knowing what you're eating and in learning about nutrition. We don't learn about nutrition enough. And so people just don't have a general even idea of what is in their food for example so my husband's a physician and he was telling me the story yesterday that he had a lady come in um and she was dealing with some bowel issues and he was asking about the fiber in her diet and she's like oh yeah i eat a lot of fiber my daughter's a nutritionist so like you know i'm totally taken care of and and he's like well well what do you eat that has a lot of fiber in it and she's like nuts uh, and he's oh. like they don't have a lot of fiber yeah. <laughs> like, Nuts don't have a lot of fiber. Um, anyway, but he, it it was just an example of the disconnect between we think we understand nutrition and most people don't. And when you can take that time of like being very intentional with your nutrition and, and reading labels and tracking it, then you can really understand, Oh, nuts aren't a protein. Nuts are a fat, right? Let's have way Mm -hmm. more fat than they, they do protein in them. Um, but I think most people would say, "Oh yeah, nuts! They like that's they're high in protein."
1: <laughs> oh, I agree. Um, so I, anyway, doing it for a period of that.
0: time is, is is very beneficial for a lot of
1: people. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't listen to that episode, but my my stance is always: I don't know if you can get to be intuitive until and, and you start weighing and tracking some food, because I, I don't know if there's enough knowledge behind it um, to be intuitive. Yes, there isn't
2: enough knowledge, like I, you I were don't, saying. I
1: like, think intuitive yeah. eating is a real thing. I I still am not. I'm not. I think somebody can drop body fat or change composition, whatever they want to gain more muscle. Um, doing it intuitively, I think I don't think it's going to happen as fast, but I think mm-hmm. that I think intuitive eating is what I want people to get to to maintain. But correct. I don't know how you get there without having an understanding of what 3 ounces of chicken looks like.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And my big thing is that like we have brains for a reason and and we have two parts of our brain, right? We have the the subconscious and then the the conscious brain. And when you're talking about hunger cues and emotions and things like that, that's a lot of the subconscious brain and if we just let the subconscious brain drive our food choices, which is that what I feel like a lot of intuitive eating talks about is you know, hunger and fullness and feelings and and things like that. We're missing half the half the part of having a conscious brain, and the conscious brain where we can bring that in is, yeah, like having the knowledge about nutrition. like that can just be it doesn't have to erase our hunger cues. It doesn't have to erase those other things, but we can bring it in as another layer and understanding, yeah, like I have a desire for that. but, nutritionally, I know that I need X, Y, and Z and be able to bring that conscious brain in to make some conscious decisions about what is going to make us feel our best and what's going to make us perform our best and what's going to make us hit our goals. I think there's nothing wrong with setting a goal that causes you to stretch a little bit and causes you a little bit of discomfort. Discomfort means you're growing. And um, I am all about leaning into the discomfort for a, a while so that we can grow. And I, and I think for me, that's one of the things of um, that I love so much about fitness and w- in my brand, this is something that we, we really value and we preach is that to me, the value of fitness and to me, the value of what I do when I coach women is not about fitness. It starts with fitness because that's what they come to me with. They, mm-hmm. they come to me wanting weight loss and it starts there and I meet them where they're at. But what I love about it is as women start to set goals and achieve them, as they start to learn about themselves and their body and as they start to set big goals and work towards them, they become different people in the process of reaching for the goal. And whether or not you reach the goal is really irrelevant in my book. Book, It's who you become in the process of reaching the goal and that's to me what the exciting thing is about fitness is that we become different people as we reach for these big
1: goals. I love it. You just summed up everything I say. That's I'm <laughs> yeah, so glad you're yeah, on the show. Awesome. It, nutrition and fitness is simply becomes the vehicle because what people are searching yes. for is confidence, right? They're, they to be feel confident within themselves and they think totally. it's built on a number on the scale but that's the delusion because if I snap my fingers tomorrow and they were 130 from 160 it's not like they're going to be like my life is so it might be for a minute, but they didn't go through the journey, the mm-hmm. suffering, the trials, the you know. Yeah, so. who
0: you become while you're doing the doing the hard thing, um, and that that is something that lasts. Right, is the the skills you uh, you get and the things that you learn during that process. I always like to say um, because failure is a big concept for a lot of people. They we we don't want to fail, and so people tend to not set big goals. Because they don't want to not hit them. Um, and so then we set these like little itty-bitty goals. And I'm all for taking baby steps. But I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we don't set these big, huge goals. Because then, again, who cares if you reach that big goal? Who you become as you reach for the goal is way more important in my book, then if you actually go and and actually hit that goal. So I am really big with redefining what failure means. Um to me if you when you're working towards a goal and you have a milestone or whatever and you do something quote unquote wrong or you fail, to me it's not a failure. To me you're either at every step of the journey you're getting the result that you want or you're getting the lesson that you need and both are valuable. Because yeah, we want the result, but you know what you have to do along the way is you have to learn all those lessons. And so if you're getting a lesson, like let's celebrate that. Let's say, no, that's mm-hmm. not a failure. That's a lesson. And the faster I learn this lesson, the faster I'm going to get to the goal that I want to go to. So I think redefining and reframing failure in that way is so powerful for people.
1: I love that line. That was really good. The lesson. Yeah. I mean, that's what you needed right in that moment, right?
0: Yeah. And we try to avoid it, but which is so silly because there are certain lessons you have to learn. You have to go. And then when we start getting, wait a minute, I'm a failure. (laughs) And when we can reframe it, no, no, no. Like you just, there's like, let's pretend there's 50 lessons you have to learn to win a bodybuilding competition, right? There's 50 lessons. Wouldn't you just want to go through those 50 lessons as fast as possible to like get to the end result? And yet when we come up on those failures or those lessons, we're like, oh, I guess it means I'm not supposed to do this. No, it doesn't. It just means you have now forty-nine more lessons to learn. Keep going.
1: (laughs) There you go. I love it. When you started Biceps After Baby the Instagram page, were you planning on monetizing it or did you just start? No. Oh, no, no, no. I,
0: I say I am an accidental entrepreneur like through and through. In fact, my dad always wanted me to always wanted. So I'm one of seven. I'm an oldest of seven. And he always wanted all of us to like start our own business. So when we were kids, he'd like, you should do a window washing business or you should do a lawn mowing business. Like he was always after us, to, like start our own businesses. And I was like, no way, dad, like I'm going to go get a job at the bank, um, something mm-hmm. steady and you know um, whatever. And uh, so I never, ever, ever thought I would be an entrepreneur. And I started my Instagram account just as a fitness journey account And very quickly people started being like, well, will you coach me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sure. I'll coach you. So, you know, I took on some clients for free. It was like, just let's just help you on your fitness journey with the things that I've learned. And then they started telling their friends and they started telling their sisters and they started telling their moms. And pretty soon I had like way more clients than I ever thought I was going to have. And I was like, I need to, I guess make this into like something streamlined, something that I can reproduce. Um, and that's when I really was like, okay, well, let's start with coaching. And I started doing one-on-one coaching, did that for you know, several years and now have expanded to where I just, I can't take enough clients and I want to serve more people. And so we've gotten to places where we do more program-based things and group coaching um, to be able to help women on their journey. But definitely an accidental entrepreneur. I loved it. I have enjoyed it, but it wasn't anything I ever thought I would do.
1: That's awesome. I think that's sometimes how the best businesses come into play is, I mean, I think there was, you had a passion behind it, obviously, right? Totally. Yeah. And then it just kind of grew organically, like you weren't trying to force it. It was trying to force you, it sounds like.
0: Right. Yeah. I did. That was not ever in my mind that I would charge for anything that I did, but um, it's been amazing because because I have turned it into a business and because I have monetized it and because I have like grown I have been able to help so many more people and now we're we're here 4 years later and I have people that I helped 2 3 years ago who are letting me know where they're at in their life that is very different from where they would have been had they not worked with me. I've had multiple people who did coaching with me and now are coaches themselves and I've gone on to like start their own businesses and to me again going back to this idea like my goal is 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 to start with fitness but my real goal is help women to achieve and as i teach them how to achieve then that bleeds into other areas of their lives so to hear that women who worked with me and learned things from me a couple years ago are now starting their own businesses and diving into that and helping other people. Like that's that's what we want, right? Is we just want to be able to help and serve more people because we know how powerful the things are that we have and where we're at and how much better it is where we're at with uh, than you know where we may have been a couple of years ago. So that's been really exciting for me.
1: It's uh, when, when you were getting into macros, did you kind of self-teach yourself or did you hire a coach?
0: Totally. I, yeah, I feel like I got into macros, like I said, right when it was like, it's been used in the bodybuilding world for a while, Right, but I feel like it just started like touching general population. And I, I, I remember the day, like I was on Pinterest and I was scrolling through Pinterest and I saw a picture of a woman who like was, had posted like three different pictures during a cut. Um, and I like clicked on it and I like read about it and I was like, this makes so much sense. Like this is so scientifically based, which is how my brain thinks. Um, but it was never anything I had heard about. And so when I got into it, I, I, there, I don't, there wasn't a ton of coaches. It wasn't a thing. There wasn't like a, you know. I think like there's a plethora of macro coaches now. Um, <laughs> it wasn't really a thing, and I just I have always kind of been an achiever and someone who just like digs in and does the work, and so I figured it out on my own, and it took me longer. Like I always I think say, that you will yeah. it will be faster if you hire a coach, um, but. I I trialed and aired it on myself and on my own journey, and then was able to take that and apply it to my clients.
1: That's awesome.
2: Another thing is you're a mom of four, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like a lot of
2: your journey of being a mom, feeling what it feels to have mom guilt, all those things you've been able to help your clients understand and work through?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like I can relate to my clients in a way that, um, sometimes some other coaches may not if they don't have kids or they, you know, aren't, or they're older than 20 years old, right? Like life changes as your kids, as you have kids and as your kids get older. Um, and so that's something that, yes, I, I feel like I, I coach all women. Um, but I attract mostly mothers because they relate to like, Oh, you've done it. You've gone before. You've been able to attain the goals that I want to have. And you had kids, which now means that I can do it as well. And so that's always exciting to be um, an example of possibility for people.
2: Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's funny. Brad uh, put up an Instagram story with a, a message or a comment box of who should we have next on the podcast. I jokingly, but not jokingly, said my 13 year old daughter. (laughs) Because I listened to your episode with your twelve-year-old, and I just thought it was really, really cool. Some of the, you know, the perception of what you do. It was she's wise beyond her years. By the way, yours.
0: She was. I was so proud of her. Yeah, she
2: did awesome. And listen to
0: it. um, It's just
2: so sweet to listen to her perspective of when you said, "Not all families sit down to dinner together." And she goes, "Wait, what? They don't." (laughs) I mean, it was just so sweet. And then you know, she she like her take on it and like some of the things that like clearly she's noticed you and your husband do or you know she at one point she says well dad doesn't do it anymore or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i just thought that's so cool because i could just immediately i could relate with you as a mom right mm-hmm. and what we do on a daily basis and what their what the child's perspective of what we're doing is and why And it really sounds like you've done a phenomenal job of just making it that this is just our lifestyle. This is just what we do to have good health. Mm -hmm. And it's not about because we need to be thin or we need to be skinny or we need to be these certain people. Um, Absolutely. And I just think that's super cool because you could help so many moms in that way because mom guilt is a real thing and it's
0: hard. Well, I feel like so many women don't reach for their health and fitness goals because they feel like all of their energy and attention is given to their kids. Yes. And they want to serve their kids and they want to help their kids and their kids' schedule is the most important. And, and I think when we can shift that and, and recognize that you giving every last ounce of energy that you have to your kids is actually doing them a disservice because you aren't modeling the behavior that you want them to have. Like no mom wants her Daughter, to give everything to everybody else and not to have any for her, right? To have any like time or energy for her, and yeah, that's what so many moms do: is that we give, 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 and don't take time for ourselves. And so, I really want to switch that. And and I, it's one of the reasons I tell my story a lot, and I start with my story about my mom because my mom shifted my life because of who she was, right? Because of just the things that she did. She she did eat healthy. She provided us healthy food. We sat down to dinner. She exercised. I I went to her classes. I saw her go to the gym. Like those were just things that she did to take care of herself. And I witnessed that as a kid. And that's what I'm hoping to do for my children. And I think for moms, that can be a big motivator. When I start to bring in this idea of like, what are you being an example of for your kids? Then they'll be like, okay, you're right. Like this actually is important because it's for my kids and they can get to the place where it's important because it's for their kids. And we hope to get to the place where it's important because it's for themselves, but they can get on board with like, yes, I want my kids to grow up healthy. I want my kids to have a really good relationship with food. I want my kids to be able to like just view exercise as something we do. And you yourself have to model that first if that's where you want your kids to get to. Um, and so I, I do have people who will say, well, it was just easy for you, right? Because your mom modeled that. Um, and so it's just natural for you to model, model it. And I will agree. I had a great role model growing up, but you, those of you listening, you can be the change in that link because my grandmother was not that way. Mm. My mother did not grow up with that experience. My mother grew up with a very different mother and a very different experience when it comes to food and a very different experience when it comes to exercise. And my mom was the link that changed and now because my mom changed, I actually interviewed my mom on the podcast too, and we talk about how all of her kids now are at a different place with their food relationship and with their exercise and their bodies, and that just continues to be progressed. So if your mom didn't amplify that for you, you can amplify it for your kids and you can change
2: yeah, absolutely. I love it. You know, I think so many moms, um, fitness moms, sometimes are looked upon poorly, and I, I say that lightly, but they're looked upon like, "Well, yeah, you're neglectful. That you're you look I mean, at your body. Hey,
1: you've been you've been called selfish. Oh, I've lately. I've
2: been called selfish, and I've been yeah. called that I'm obsessed.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. by by people who you know. I mean. Care about you, but they don't really, they're not into fitness. So yeah. they view it as a very selfish act. Very sure. selfish.
0: Sure. And I think that can be hard because that you're you're right. That mom guilt is, is real and it can keep women from reaching for the things that they want. Um, and I think that comes down to a self-worth thing for a lot of people. Um, they don't feel that they're worthy enough to reach for their goals or their dreams or whatever they want. Um, But I am really big about you prioritizing your life the way that you want to prioritize your life. And the way that I prioritize my life doesn't have to be the way that you do, but I want you to be intentional about the way that you prioritize your life. And I think so many people just walk through life. Just letting it happen to them instead of being intentional about what they're creating. And that's what I want for women is for them to be intentional. You don't have to want to do a bodybuilding competition. I, you know, that's not something on my bucket list. Like, I don't want to do that. You don't have to be able to do weighted pull ups. If that's not anything that like interests you, that's totally fine. But I do want you to be intentional with what you want to create in your life and then go out and achieve it. And don't let anybody tell you that you're selfish because you are looking to achieve it. Because again, you become someone different in that process. And now you are that someone different for your, the people you love the most for your kids, for your husband, for your community, for your church, for whatever, but you become somebody in that process. So it may appear selfish on the, if you're looking in, but if you really recognize that those may be quote unquote selfish goals, which I don't think they're selfish, but if we let's pretend they're selfish, if it causes you to become a better person in the long run, it's not selfish, right? Because it means you're serving everyone else better. Right. And that's exactly, if, if something I'm doing
2: for myself is making me show up in the life that I'm living better, Absolutely. and it, you can't judge me for it just like I'm not going to judge you for whatever yeah. you're doing that makes for you it. show up better.
0: Yeah. And then it's not selfish, right? Because in the long run, it serves other people better, Correct. which is like the exact opposite definition of what selfish is. Correct. And my 13-year-old, luckily,
2: I have a 13 and an eight-year-old. My 13-year-old is definitely catching on to that, right? Mm-hmm. That when mom goes and does the things that she does, if it's the gym, if it's my outside walk, whatever it is, I show up better as a
1: mom.
0: Yes. She's nicer. <laughs> yeah. More She's not uh-huh. cranky. Right. Right. <laughs> she has more energy. Yeah. All the things. Absolutely.
1: Well, I, I love hearing it from you. I tell my clients the same thing, but they look at me and go, "Yeah, bro, first off, you're you're a guy. Secondly, you don't have <laughs> yeah. any kids yet. Um, you don't get it." And I'm like, yeah. "I know I don't, but I know I could get it from the context of I show up better for my business, totally. exactly. for the, my loved ones, for the people who count on me when I take care of myself and when I'm not." And so, for yeah. sure, absolutely 100%. So, you went to BYU, right? Yeah, everything but that. I really, really like you, but that one, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a big Utah guy. I really don't hate BYU. I actually like them. I Our just, father
0: graduated yes, from there,
1: but uh. all of his kids are, are Utah. So, did you live in Utah uh, growing up?
0: Uh-huh. Oh you uh, no, did? no, I grew oh. up in Seattle. Oh, okay, um, went to just lived in Utah for the years that I was at BYU, um, and then we've been all over the country with my husband's training.
1: And then you landed in
0: California. And we finished in California. We're finally, we're finally done. So my I mentioned my husband's a physician. So um anybody who knows that that training process, uh, it's been 15 years um from when he started college. Bless.: and So you. we just now finished it two years ago and we finally bought a house, or like not moving anytime in the near future, have a job. Congratulations. Um, it's a, it's a That's long, huge. Yeah, it's a long process.
1: <laughs> How old are your kids?
0: Uh my oldest is twelve and 12. the youngest is five.
1: Okay. So the five-year-old was kind of the catalyst for you to start this biceps after babies. Cause you, were you mm-hmm. in shape? Like, did you work out during your pregnancies? Um, during,
0: uh, so I would say from my, like my second, third and fourth pregnancies, I worked out. Um, cause during that time was when I was teaching classes. So I was teaching group fitness classes. Um, and I, I would work out quite a bit, did a lot of cardio that way, did some like weight classes and stuff. Um, but when I had my last kid, um, that was kind of when some of these were like, well, I, I had my last kid. My body always looks the same. <laughs> like nothing changes. And if I don't change anything, nothing is going to change. And so that's when I was like, we need, to, we need to change some things up. So in, in addition to starting with counting macros, um, that was kind of a catalyst. I also, uh, to more doing my own weightlifting, I ended up quitting teaching all classes, um, got into powerlifting, did a powerlifting competition. No kidding? Um, yeah. Right my goal on. was there to hit a 300 pound deadlift. What? Um, 300 and pound deadlift? I
1: hit
0: my 300, I did a 303 deadlift at, at my first
1: competition. Do you competition. mind saying what you weighed when you did a 303
0: deadlift? Uh, 135. So it was 135, oh. hit a 303 deadlift.
1: New respect um, for you. That's incredible. That
0: was, yeah. So it was awesome. So I did powerlifting for a while and now I've kind of gotten to CrossFit for the last year. So oh, I've okay. kind of done a little bit of I did bodybuilding and did some powerlifting, did some CrossFit, did some group fitness. I've kind of done a lot of, of different styles, but right now I'm doing cr- CrossFit, so.
1: Have you changed your macros to kind of match cross, CrossFit more?
0: Yeah, well, and that's you? what I love because I teach my clients, everybody comes to me with weight loss, right? That's like, it's like yeah. this laser focus, right? Weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. And I can help you do that. Like, I am very good at that. I can help you do that. But what I love and where I want to get you is what's next, right? Like, was what's next is reverse and maintenance and now performance. And that's what I love is helping women to be able to adjust their macros and know how to eat for performance mm-hmm. so that you can hit those PRs, so that you can go through a bulk and add more muscle. Um, it was amazing to me, not only how fast my body changed when I set my macros for a cut, but when I set my macros into a bulk mm-hmm. and how much muscle I was able to gain over a short period of time when I was fueling my body appropriately. And it's not always about eating less. And I think that's something Mm, that I preach a ton to women because we always think eating less is better. Eating less is better. Like That's just kind of what society tells us. It's always better to eat less. And when I can help women shift that and understand, no, 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 it's best to fuel your body appropriately. And a lot of times that means eating more. And I, you know, bulked on 300 carbs for a yes, year to yes. be able to like put on muscle and like add to my body size. Um. Anyway, so I love getting I, women. Hear to
1: that, that again? I'm gonna like repeat that somehow. <laughs> she ate 300 carbs for a year.
0: Yeah, for a year. I love right.
1: it. F- f- yes. They're so scared to eat, and I get why. I think society and media has like insinuated this this neurosis almost with like, oh my gosh, if I eat too much. Yeah. Like I'm going to get fat and they're not matching like what they're doing. Like they're going to these crazy fitness classes and they're doing weights and they're trying to do like do cardio in the morning. And I'm trying to explain to them that you need to eat. And what would it be like to, I I think that so many women don't actually know what it's like to go in the gym fully fueled, like either on maintenance or a slight surplus and feel how good it feels. I'm like, Guys, it's amazing. Like, I love the gym. You're like (laughs)
0: superwoman. Like, you get there and you feel so good. You're like, I could rep out as many squats as possible. Like, yeah, you just feel good. And and this is what I'm saying. Like, so many women never get to maintenance. So many women never get even just to maintenance. They're always trying to be in a deficit. They're always trying to eat less. And when you can feel what it feels like and how different... Two twenty-five on your back feels when you ate three hundred carbs, than when you're eating one hundred (laughs) and fifty carbs. Like it's night and day. Yes. And and I and people look at me and I'll post pictures on Instagram and they'll be like, "I want to look like you. Like I want the muscles that you have." And I'm and what they don't what they think is they're like, "I just need to go to the gym more." And I'm like, "No, for a lot of you, you need to eat more. Mm. You need to like be conscious about how much you're eating and pairing it with what you're doing at the gym, right? If you just eat more and you don't." do anything at the gym or you don't have progressive overload, you're not going to be able to have the muscle growth. But if you can eat more and have the progressive overload in the gym, that's when you're going to be able to see the changes.
2: Yeah. How often are you having that conversation with your female clients? I guess So much. So much. Yeah, so yeah. much. Talking, well, and here's, so I'm glad here's I'm not the only thing, one. Talking them into eating.
0: <laughs> totally. Um And I think the other big Part of that. And I brought up this word progressive overload. I just think so many people don't understand progressive overload. Yeah, do you want to break it down? Yeah, I I was going
2: to say, will you break it down? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, progressive overload is the idea that your body only adapts to the stress that is applied to it. And so, if you continue to apply the same stress, your body will only adapt to that stress. So, for example, if you go into the gym and you're lifting bicep curls, 15 pound dumbbells, that is a stress on your body and your body will respond to that stress in order to accommodate the 15 pound dumbbell curls. So once, if you go back into the gym and lift 15 pounds the next time and the next time and the next time, your body will not accommodate anymore. It's already, it's already adapted to the stress that you have applied to it. If you want the body to continue to adapt, you have to continue to increase the stress applied to it. And in the weight room, we can do that different ways. We can do that with increasing the amount of reps that we're doing, with increasing the weight that we're doing, with increasing the sets, um, with doing things like increasing time under tension, with reducing your rest time. But we have to be, and you have to be intentional about increasing the stress a little bit, right? Because your body has to be able to recover a little little bit each time that you go into the gym. If you're going into the gym and you're lifting the exact same weights that you lifted last week and the week before and the week before, your body will not change because it's already adapted as much as it needs to in order to meet the stress that you've placed upon it.
2: That was beautiful. Yeah. That so that's real. progressive. Way to I think break it down. Women,
0: women especially don't get that. Oh, um, at all. They go and they lift the same 15 pound dumbbells Every single time, and and then they wonder why nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And when you can get your nutrition on board, and you can get progressive overload, that's when magic. Happens.
2: Ooh, ooh, call on me. Could that be why? Like,
1: call it, on it, me, Michelle. Yeah,
2: call on me, F forty five goers, or- Orange Theory goers. Why sometimes they yes. see pr- they see progress a lot slower because mm-hmm. it is the
0: same modality, almost. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, and you'll see it. They'll see it. The thing is a lot of people will see change at first, Yes. right? Yep. So they start going and they're like, oh my gosh, my body's changing so much. This must work. And, but it's, it's in like months three beyond when they're like, well, then it's kind of stops. And the reason is because you're applying the same stress. Your body had to a- adapt to that stress, but it's not going to adapt past that unless you do something else. That and makes so sense. honestly, most fitness programs, most lifting programs will work for those, that first little while. It's what happens after that if you are continuing to progress, progressive overload, to, to let you know from like months three on, if you're going to continue to add muscle, if you're going to continue to build strength, if you're going to continue to build endurance. And if you're doing the same thing, it's not getting you there.
2: So that makes total sense why there's a percent of our clientele that we see that come in at month three or four of doing F45 Orange Theory I can't think of some other modalities that are match that but like to and, body do and, camp. yeah there you go and they they're, they're plateauing sure you know because yeah. they've right. had that i guess that initial gain and the mm-hmm. body composition change and now they're realizing okay i've got some something else is playing into this because my body's no longer changing
0: Totally, and I even feel that in CrossFit. I've done, I did a podcast episode about CrossFit, and I'm loving CrossFit, and I'm enjoying it because I'm able to take my strength that I've already built and apply it in new ways. Um, but that is one of my beasts with CrossFit is that there it isn't a consistent progressive overload over right. time, and so it's really if you're wanting to build muscle, like the best way to go build muscle is. To go to the gym and to do your lifts and to slowly increase the weight and slowly increase the reps, like week to week to week to week. Uh-huh. So you're doing the same thing, right? You're you're squatting every week, but you're just squatting a little bit more than last time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the way to like actually build muscle and actually build strength. And so I would say if someone is if that's your goal, if your goal is just to like move your body and feel good and like have some fun, like that's a totally different goal. But if your goal really is to build the maximum amount of muscle or the maximum amount of strength, you have to make sure that you are being very intentional about that week to week to week progressive overload.
1: How did, what made you want to get into CrossFit? Just,
0: uh, I got bored with powerlifting doing the same lifts. <laughs> yeah. So in powerlifting, it's like, Every week you do bench deadlift press and squat like every week. Um and you get really good at it, right? Like that's the whole point. Powerlifting is like you lift the maximum amount of weight in one rep with Right. It, that's progressive lifts. overload
1: for sure, right? Totally. You're always and you trying to, you're yeah, tracking you really every to every metric and
0: Yep and you really have to be intentional about how you cycle your training and um when you peak and like there's a whole lot of things that go into it but i come from a group fitness background i'm an extrovert i love people and um my husband and i were doing powerlifting together and we have a gym in in our shed and it was like me and the weights or me and my husband and the weights and i'm like i just need i need new lifts and I need more people. And so for me going into CrossFit and now learning the Olympic lifts um and being able to, like I said, I built all this strength, right? I had I like PR'd my squat, PR'd my deadlift, built all this muscle and the strength. And now it's like just fun to be able to like go and be like, oh, now I can take this strength and I can learn how to do a muscle up. Mm-hmm. Or now I can take this strength and I can, you know, learn how to do handstand push-ups. And so for me, it's like I built this foundation of strength, which I think is really important. And now I can go and use it in all these. No, new fun ways that like challenge me.
1: Do you think that your, your background in, uh, in powerlifting helped you um, avoid maybe like some of those injuries people talk about when they first started in CrossFit? Totally. I feel like some people go in, they, they haven't even been on the weight floor and then they're doing CrossFit yeah. and then they get injured. And I'm like, well, it's not CrossFit's fault, it's your fault.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and I think a big thing is just proprioception. So proprioception is knowing where your body is in space and If you've lifted before, you've learned that like mind muscle connection. You know, like you can think about what your abs are doing at the same time as your legs are doing. And for so many people, especially as they start, you know, trying to do a squat for the first time, they're they're like they can think about their chest, but they can't think about their knees, and so then their knees cave, and then they're trying to like just feel where their body is in space. And once you can just start to get that proprioception, you can keep yourself a lot safer, which is why you know we hammer. You know, how, how you're doing the lift so hard in the beginning, because we got to get you to get that muscle memory so that you don't hurt yourself as you progress with the weights. And so, doing that first and then coming into CrossFit, even just building some foundational proprioception and some, some foundational strength um, w- serves you a lot when you get into doing it faster, and harder, and
1: heavier. It makes sense. It, ma- it makes sense to kind of transition into that from there. I just, I always urge people people, people think I have a grudge against CrossFit. I don't, I have a grudge against newcomer, newbies who have never even really lifted weights going and doing CrossFit because I think it's just a little, too, like they need to kind of almost learn some basic movements before going into it. So.
0: Yeah. And you got to make sure that you have good coaches and it's hard too. Cause you're in a group, right? Right. There's a difference when you're like one-on-one with a trainer versus when you're in a
1: group. Um, so that adds it to it as well. So what, what made, backtracking a little, what made you fall in love with macros? Like what was the one thing? And, and second part of that question is, did you struggle at first? Was there four to six weeks where you're like, how do I hit these?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I That's mean, I think, to I, went hear. I think people think the they're going to know. Experience. Yeah. I went through the same experience that like so many of my clients do, um, of being like, how do I hit these numbers? Like, how do I hit my protein without going over on my carbs and my fat? Um, I think one of the things that, that benefits me in my life, and what I try to help my clients to see is that uh, if I'm not perfect on it, like I don't get discouraged. <laughs> I don't like I, we've talked about failure and finding it as a lesson. I just see it as like, oh, look at these things I learned today. And I didn't hit my numbers, but like I learned all these things, and I'm going to keep going. And I think so often with macros, people get really hard on themselves. Like if they don't hit it, then for some reason that's a failure, and like it's not going to work, and then they just quit. Um, and so for me. What macro counting did for me is it redefined what food was and it redefined the morality of food, right? We grow up with this idea that like carrots are good and donuts are bad. And so before, when I would ever try to like intentionally lose weight, I would set my calories as low as possible, right? Because that's what you do, right? You just 1,200 calories is how what every woman should be eating. Um, And so I'd set my calories really low and I'd be really like quote unquote good and I would track my food. And then three days into it, you're miserable and you're hungry and you're like, just want the cookie. And then I would eat like 12 cookies. And then of course you don't, track that because (laughs) you don't want to,
1: then it doesn't happen. Right. (laughs)
0: Right, Because if you don't track it, then it didn't happen. And so then you'd like, I'd start that cycle over again where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to be good. And I'm going to eat the, you know, the healthy food and never want to like track the actual food that I was eating. So anyway, I had that experience several times. And when I went into macro counting, I was like, say what I can like eat the donut and it's not like bad. And I can like fit it in and I can still hit my macros during the time that I was in my first cut, and I was getting abs uh, for the first time. I ate ice cream almost every single night, and like that blew my mind. That I was like eating ice cream every single night, and I was still seeing the changes in my body. And just the fact, I I always like to relate it to this fact that like we think it's an or. We think it's I can either like have the body I want or eat the foods that I want, and it really is an and. And macros introduces to you that I can have the body I want. And I can eat the food that I love. Um, and that and concept to me was just like revolutionary. And it's why I fell in love with it and why I was like excited to share it with people. Cause I'm like, when we change how we look at food and we, and we, and we talk not about eating less. We talk about fueling your body appropriately. When I, when I teach macros, I talk about we make sure we eat enough. Of each macronutrient, right? You wanna eat enough of each macronutrient to fuel your body while still remaining in a caloric deficit. And there's a sweet spot there. It isn't Mm -hmm. just about dropping your calories as low as possible, it's about eating enough while maintaining that caloric deficit.
1: Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with who Jordan Syed is, but he just just did the Big Mac challenges. You know, I mean, his message was more just he still hit his macros, he stayed at a calorie deficit, and he lost weight. Now, he's not saying like eating a Big Mac every day for 30 days. Is is the best for your health, but sure, right? It, he still fit in his mac. He had to be super creative. Eat a lot of salads at the other meals to, to accompany mm-hmm. for this. But, um, yeah, I thought it was really powerful because food is not good or bad. Yeah, like it. It's it just, just food. Yep. And I, I think the I don't think people can ever find balance if they view foods as good and bad. Oh, I can't have that, or I can yes. only have this. Right.
0: Yep. And we from a place of of choice and decision and and owning those choices. And so it's not that I can't have that or I shouldn't have that. It's like, no, no, no. You can and who cares if you do? I just want you to make a choice. And I want you to own the choice that you make. If you're going to go over your macros and you want to eat something and you're going to go over your macros, that's totally fine. But I want you to make that choice consciously. I don't want it to be like an oops, oops oops-a-daisy. Like, How did that happen? I want you to be like, no... I'm sitting here at my son's birthday party and I'm going to eat this slice of cake because I'm at my son's birthday party and I want to eat it. And it's going to put me over my numbers for the day. And I'm owning that choice because I get to be in control of my life and I'm going to make it and I'm going to log it and I'm going to keep going. Um, but I think so many women want to give up and maybe men too, but I deal all you know mostly with women. So we want to give up our power and just have things things happen to us instead of us taking control and saying no. Every single thing I eat, every single thing I do is a choice I get to make. Let's be intentional with that choice and don't have guilt associated with it. You made a choice. Mm-hmm. Be an adult. Right. <laughs> Own the consequences. Ownership. Like, yeah. It's yeah. it's, just it's not going to kill you.
1: Like it's it's not the end of the world, right? No. Um. I love it. I love your me- Your whole message is just I. I I was excited to have you on the podcast because you preach a lot of the same things that I feel like come out of my mouth over the last however many years. And it's um, thanks for being a force for good and putting out good podcasts with, you know, I don't even, I don't even, I I didn't even get the sense that you're dogmatic on having to do macros, but I think that's your preferred tool, right? I mean, that's my preferred tool, I think. Do you do any kind of other, do you believe in keto? Do you believe in carnivore?
0: I I believe in whatever you're going to stick to is, is going to be the best for you.
1: Yep.
0: Um, and I absolutely don't think that everybody should count macros. In fact, I think for some people, it can be detrimental, but I think the reason it can be detrimental is because the way that you're thinking about it
1: creates a neuroses, um, you mean? Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and, and when people say, well, macros is restrictive, I come back and say, well, that's because that's the way that your brain is like, y- you're viewing it as a restriction instead of as a choice. And when we can go to that place of like, nobody tells me whether or not I have to hit my macros. Nobody tells me whether or not I can eat this food. Like I just get to make a choice. And I have these guidelines. They're like your training wheels, right? Like There's these guidelines. It doesn't mean you have to follow them. They're just guidelines. Um, So I don't necessarily think that everyone should count macros. I do think that everybody would value from counting macros for like two weeks of their life. (laughs) I think if everybody in the world would take two weeks of their life and track and weigh their food and that's it, like not even try to hit anything, just track and weigh your food, we would have so a much more knowledgeable, uh, set of population when it comes to nutrition. Um, so I, I do think that that is something that I do recommend. Everybody just takes some, a chance to track, read your nutrition labels, figure out, oh my gosh, nuts are a fat. Oh my gosh. Like avocado has a ton of fat. Like this not, doesn't make it bad. It just is just now, you know what it is.
2: There you go. So if, You don't like it said by me or Brad. Now Amber said it. Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) Track your damn
1: macros. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) So what what makes you feel confident? And I like to ask coaches that because I think so many clients come in, Mm. they think they're searching for like, I'll be happy when I get to this weight, but it's really the level of confidence within themselves. What makes you feel confident?
0: That's a really good question. Um, And I think... For me, um, and this has been like some inner work that I've done over the past couple of years of like identifying some of these identity traits that I have. I very much identify as an achiever, which I'm sure will be a shock to everyone listening. Um, but I, I identify as an achiever. And so for me, for so many years, my worth came from my achievements. Um, and so. You know, when I set the goal to like get straight A's, then like that proved my worth. Or when I, um, you know, got into nursing school, that proved my worth. And so for a long time, I, I do feel like my, my worth, my confidence was based on actually hitting the goal. And that's fine and well while you're hitting the goal. But when you come up with goals that are hard or that you can't do or that you can't do yet, um, Then that self-worth breaks down. And so I've, I've kind of had to realize that I had this tendency to define my self-worth by what I achieve and really start to hone into the idea that like, no, I am innately worthy. I am innately Mm. enough. Like I come that way. And yes, I like want to do these big things. And yes, I have big goals. And yes, I set, you know, outrageous things that I want to do, but my, my confidence doesn't come from now hitting those goals. It comes from watching myself evolve as I reach for them. And so I think this has been kind of a reoccurring theme and I keep bringing it up because this has been something so revolutionary in my life as I recognize I am becoming someone different as an entrepreneur, as I grow my business. Um, I am becoming someone different as I coach people. I am becoming different as I put myself out there on Instagram and get haters and get people who say they don't like the, like I become someone different and, and whether or not I achieve doesn't define my success, my success. I have it right now. And for anybody who is listening right now, at this very moment, you are enough. You are worthy You can be confident right now. And that doesn't mean that you won't work for goals. It doesn't mean that you won't achieve. It doesn't mean that you're not going to stretch yourself in the future. But when you come from that place of acceptance... And a place of ownership of like, I've created the things that I have in my life right now and I own that and I, and I am responsible for that. Well, now you can go and change things. And when we try to get into this victim mentality of it, oh, it's because of my thyroid or, oh, it's because I am a mom or, oh, it's because I'm too old or, oh, it's because I don't have, you know, I can't go to the gym five days a week, whatever. When we step away from that and we say, no, I, I've created the results that I have in my life. And I own that and I take responsibility for it. And I am enough just as I am. Well, now we can work from this place of like reaching for abundance and reaching for more um, from a place of enoughness.
1: I love it. I always tell people I always tell them acceptance was the answer to all my problems today because Ooh, the minute so I, good. I accept that. That that's the problem. I accept it. Yeah. Now I can get into action. So
0: well, and that you created it, right. right? Yeah. And that's not we don't have to have guilt about that. We don't have to have shame about it. But when we own it and say, I created this and I don't really like it. I want to change it. But now because you created it before, you can create the new you. You can create the new choices. Um, And when we try to play the victim, it takes all of our power away.
1: Such a good message. Yeah, I love podcasting with other podcasters cuz yeah. they're g- good. You have this innate ability that's really good. Um I've really really enjoyed it. So um been a great episode. I want to ask you two questions before I let yeah. you go is um First, um, where can people find you um, on Instagram? How do they apply to work with you? I always try to shout out other, because if we lost anybody that listens to our podcast, they were not a key nutrition client yet. They were never going to be, but they're loyal to us. And they found different coaches through here, which I think is so, so cool. So great. Because we try to get the right ones on here. Where can people try to find a work with you, Instagram, and then uh, shout out for your podcast? And then the second question is, um, since this is the Key Nutrition Podcast, what's been key to your success? And that could be however you want to frame that.
0: Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So people I'm most active on Instagram at biceps after babies. I'm also on Facebook and then biceps after babies radio is my podcast and you can come over and, uh, listen to that. So I would love it if people come over there, um, working with me, it kind of changes. And so I would just suggest people go to Instagram and send me a direct message or message me on Facebook. Um, my, my, um, website is bicepsafterbabies.com so that you can find information there about, um, programs and things like that. So, um, and then to answer your second question, what has been key to my success? Um, That's a really good question. I think the biggest thing that has been key to my success is not giving up. Um, And I think that so many people, when things get hard or when there's failure or um, when they don't know the answer, right, they don't know what next step to take, they just give up. And the only way you will never reach your goals is by giving up. And so I think what has been key to my success, both in business, both in life and fitness, is just not giving up and just holding that belief that I can do it. Um, and I maybe haven't done it yet, but that I can do it and that I continue to just show up and stand up and get back up and try again. Um, and that serves me very well in business because business is going to knock you down a lot. It serves me very well in my fitness journey. Um, and it serves me very well in life. Um, because I, I get back up.
1: I love beautiful. it. Beautiful. That was beautiful. We'll link everything in the show notes. I highly recommend going and checking out her podcast. Really good podcaster. Great message. I signed um, up. I'm going to do my first pull-up because of you. I, yes! I totally signed up for, I'm going to do a damn pull-up.
0: I I have my goal. six weeks to your first pull-up. Yep. I yeah, have it uh, in my email right now. Ups.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Michelle's going to do a pull up. I'm going to, I'm going to hold her accountable. See if she does it. Oh, look. Yeah. yeah you really do. <laughs> I really do.
2: Down six weeks to your first pull up.
0: <laughs> it's been so fun. I have women. Um, so I think that's at by forward slash pull dash up. I think where you can find that program. I got it so from
2: your Instagram free. too. And in your highlights. Yeah. yeah. It's on my yeah. Instagram.
0: It's free. Um, but I love it because I put that out because I love doing pull-ups and I've done weighted pull-ups and I did pull challenges and stuff and so many women that's a goal of theirs and i'm like i'm just going to create a program and i've had so many women who started it and then they send me videos of their first pull-up okay i'm going to send like, you mine oh my gosh it's so exciting it's, <laughs> it's my f- because i think so many women feel like they can't ever do a pull-up and when they can accomplish that it's just like the world is open to them uh-huh yep
1: that's cool so exciting that's awesome amber thank you for your time thanks for being a force for goodness in industry we'll link everything for you guys in the show notes and awesome thanks for coming on
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope it was fun to hear somebody else interview me for a change, and I hope that you picked up something that will be helpful to you in your own fitness journey. As always, I love it when you subscribe to the podcast, when you leave a review and a rating on iTunes, and you know what? You're here listening. You might as well subscribe. You're going to be back. There's going to be good stuff coming. You're definitely want to make sure that you are subscribed. And while you're at it, you might as well tell your friend about it. You might as well take a screenshot and share on your Instagram what your takeaway was. I actually really love to hear your takeaways because here's the key, guys. It's one thing to listen to a podcast, and it's one thing to like be here nodding your head, and it's one thing to be like, yeah, that's a really great idea. That's, that's really awesome. Like, I should do that. And it is a completely different thing to Take something away and put it into action. And so often I find that people get stuck in the learning phase. They get stuck thinking they have to know all the things before they get started. And I really want to encourage you to just kind of buck that trend that you do not have to learn all of the things to start taking action. And so if there's anything that I hope that you're pulling away from these podcast episodes are things that you can start to implement in your life and take action on. Even if you don't understand everything, even if you're not perfect, even if you like don't really know how it's supposed to go, you start taking action and you start getting clarity. And so I love it when I hear you guys' takeaways and how it's actually going to take the words that I said and apply it to your life because that is where the magic lies. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people.